number three is where we're at today. James chapter number three. We've been in James for, uh, for quite some time now, and this is our third message in chapter number three. And I'm looking forward to, to diving in the scriptures together this morning. And so we're going to do this. We're going to read these verses, and then we'll pray and ask for the Lord to help us. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into the message this morning. So if you have James uh, chapter number three before you, uh, if you don't have it in front of you, you can look to the screens. But we're going to read these verses here, James chapter number three. Look with me, if you would, at verse number 13. The Bible says this, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. But it is it's earthly, sensual, devilish. Where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's ask for the Lord's help. And we're going to dive into these verses together and see what uh, James, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has for us today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time that you give us to be able to come and be able to open your words for a few moments. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord. And God, no, you know I need you just like I need you every week. But God, I, I, I feel today a certain amount of weight on this message, and I just pray, God, that you'd help me to be able to communicate it clearly. I pray, God, that that's what's said would be a help to those that are here this morning. And God, that you'd help me only to say those things that you want me to say. Well, we thank you for each person that's here. Thank you for, for some regular attenders, some members. Thank you, God, for some guests. And, and God, I just pray that each one, Lord, would feel welcome. And Lord, that each one would be spoken to by the Holy Spirit this morning. God, they don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. And so, God, I pray that your word would be clear, that it would shine forth, that it would be the hero of the message. And Lord, that each person that's here would leave changed in some way for having been here. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. We give you the praise, the honor, and the glory already for it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, he'd reached the end of his life, and there had been many victories that he had experienced, especially early on in, in his life. But as time went on, and after some, some major life mistakes, he'd experienced what it was and tasted what it was to, to have defeat. He experienced the blessings of godly wisdom and had become all too familiar with, with the wisdom of the world. But now as he was finishing his course, as he was coming to the end of his life, giving some final instructions, David gives charge to his son Solomon. And in 1 Chronicles 22.12, he said this to Solomon. He said, son, he said, only the Lord give thee wisdom. And understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. David, as he he brings his son in close, as he reaches the end of his life, and and gives some, some final words really, some final challenge to his son. He says this, son, above everything else, ask God to give you wisdom and understanding. So it's no wonder that on that night in Second Chronicles 1, when, 
When God came to Solomon and said, because of your father and, and his faithful servant to me, because he had a heart after my own heart, he said, Solomon, he said, I, I want to offer you an answer to one request that you might have. And, and Solomon could have asked for anything. But Solomon asked for wisdom. He said in 2 Chronicles 1.10, he said, God, give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this thy people that is so great? He said, God, above everything else, give me wisdom. James begins verse number 13 of chapter number 3 with a question, and it's a question that we could pose to all of us today. He says this, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? He asks the question, he says, Who is wise? And understanding among you. That's what he's asking here. James is speaking to those first century believers. Those first century Christians. And that's who he's posing this question to. And, and these were the, the faithful ones that attended the synagogues, I guess you could say. That attended the, the, the religious services, the church services. They were the ones who were reading and studying his letter. Just like we are in many cases today. And so we could say it this way, that the question that he posed to the Christians of that first century, listen, he could pose the same question to us today. Who of you at at Whitehall Baptist Church this morning are wise and understanding? We could go through today and we could say, all right, how many of you are, are wise and understanding? Can we see a, a raise of hand? But we won't do that, that this morning because, number one, that would be embarrassing and, and really would kind of defeat the purpose of, of what we're trying to get across here today. Uh, but, but that's the question that's, it, that's asked. Who is wise and, and understanding? Well, we don't have to ask the question because, because James tells us that there's a proof. There's a way that we can know. Don't, don't forget at the end of chapter number two, as, as James spoke of an attempt to, to have faith without works. He said, yes, you can be, you can be saved and, and not have works, but it shouldn't be that way. If you're truly a follower of Christ, your works should prove your works. That's, that was the point that he got to. And, and don't forget about what we talked about last week as we worked through verses 3 through 12 as, as he discussed the power and the potential of the tongue and, and what you say should further, further prove that you are a believer. So it's no surprise that he finishes verse number 13 with what he says. Look there again in verse number 13. He says, who is wise and, and a, a wise man and dude with knowledge among you? He says this, let him show out of the good conversation his, his lifestyle, the way he lives, his works with meekness and wisdom. He, he says here, he says, listen, your, your works exemplified in, by meekness or a quiet strength. He said, they demonstrate that you are wise an understanding. Your actions, the things that you do, demonstrate that you have wisdom and understanding. But, but listen, just like the fountain that can't produce sweet water and bitter water that we talked about last week, just like the fig tree that can't bear olives and the olive that tree, the, the olive vine that, that can't bear figs, this morning there are multiple types of wisdom and you can't live with both. In fact, the scripture tells us here clearly that there are two types of wisdom and, and, and not both of them are from God. When James speaks of wisdom here this morning, understand this, he, he's not talking about education. 
We, we were talking this morning, it's, it's been amazing in our Sunday school hour, our, our small group's time of, of how the, the, the scriptures that we've looked at in Colossians have correlated with, with what we've studied here in the book of James this morning. We, we were studying and we were talking about wisdom and, and the way that we should speak to one another and how, how we need to ask God for that wisdom and how we can have speech that, that's with grace, seasoned with salt, so that, so that it, it, it gives grace to the hearer so people can receive it better. Listen, we talked this morning that... That wisdom doesn't simply mean education. Those, those aren't synonyms. We'd understand that today that education alone doesn't produce wisdom. A piece of paper on a wall or a plaque on display, while s- definitely signifies lots of work and learning, they, they don't demonstrate a person's wisdom. In fact, Solomon gave a, a caution about the pursuit of wisdom through simply education in Ecclesiastes 12.12. He said this, And further by these, my son, be admonished. He said, Of making many books, there is no end, and much study is weariness of the flesh. He said, That's not the answer to wisdom. In fact, it can cause great weariness. Now, I'm not, I'm not hating on education this morning, okay? Don't, don't get me wrong, okay? Seeking additional studies and things like that is not a bad thing. In fact, it's, it can often be a very good thing. And, and I know there's some in our church right now that are furthering their education. I'm not saying that that's, that's a bad thing at all. That's not what I'm, what I'm getting at. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, is that we need to understand that simply having education and wisdom are not synonyms. We, we've talked about uh, just a couple of weeks ago about how there's a lot of educated Dumb people, we'll say it that way, okay? That's just the, that's just the truth, alright? There's people that have pieces of paper and plaques that, that have all types of certificates and things like that, that it's a wonder how they can even tie their shoe in the morning with some of the things that they come up with. It's just, just the reality of it. Listen, I can tell you this, there's a lot of politicians that have a lot of pieces of paper, and we all would know, okay? A lot of empty-headedness, okay, there, alright? It's just, it's just the case and the fact of the matter. Education is not a synonym necessarily of wisdom. And we will see today that wisdom, no, it's not education, it's the application of knowledge and truth that determines our life's direction. Wisdom is the application of knowledge and truth that determines our our life's direction. It's so much more than just knowing, It's, it's the application of that knowledge. And as we look at the scriptures today, we're going to see that wisdom, there's wisdom from God, but there is also wisdom from the world. So how do we in this, know, in this room know if we have godly wisdom or, or worldly wisdom? Because the truth is this, nobody in the church house admits to being filled with worldly wisdom over godly wisdom. Nobody here, I mean, like if I sat here and I was like, okay, do you have worldly wisdom or do you have godly wisdom? Nobody here is going to say, oh yeah, that's me, I have worldly wisdom. Nobody's going to do that. No one would, would, would self-profess that. But the truth is, churches all across our world today, and, and possibly even here at Whitehall Baptist Church, have people sitting in it who are full, not of godly wisdom, but of worldly wisdom. So how do we know? Well, James tells us it's, it's by the works that flow out of our life. Just like your works reveal and prove your faith, just like your tongue, the things you say proves your heart, so your works reveal your Wisdom And James was so kind as to provide us with a test to determine just where our wisdom is coming from. And that's what we're going to look at today. So we see, first of all, the works of worldly wisdom. The works of worldly wisdom. Look, if you would, at verse number 14. He says this, But 
If ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. James fires this first arrow of what composes this worldly wisdom by saying there's bitter envying and strife in your heart. Bitter envying and strife, they they go hand in hand with each other. The the bitter envying that he talks about here, it has the idea of a harsh resentment towards someone. Maybe it's because they've achieved something that you haven't achieved. Maybe it's because you're, you're at a position and you look down on them. But there's, it has this idea of a harshness to it. A, a, an idea of looking at them with, with maybe some, some curiosity, some anger that's maybe inside of you. Some, 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 some bit of you that looks at them with, with, with fury and says, oh, I, I can't believe them. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. It's bitter envying is is what he says here but then he says this is strife strife has the idea here it's kind of interesting it's the idea of of selfish ambition selfish ambition a, a strong drive for personal success without moral inhibitions the the greek word that was used here this is kind of interesting it came to describe anyone who entered politics for selfish reasons and sought to achieve his agenda at any cost. Kind of interesting here. That's, that's what this word had, had, had. The idea of this word. is The idea of selfish ambition. Calls back to, to verse number 1 of, of chapter number 3. We, we spoke about it just a few weeks ago. Where James instructed the believers. On the gravity of being a teacher of God's word. He said there, he said, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. He said he wasn't discouraging people from being teachers. We, we talked about that word te- master was didaskalos. It, it, it means teacher, uh, and specifically a teacher of the scriptures. He wasn't saying, hey, listen, uh, don't, don't seek to be a teacher of God's word. Don't te- seek seek to be a teacher uh, of God's word to little kids or, or a preacher. Don't, don't see. That's not what he was saying there. What he was saying was there is great gravity that's placed upon somebody that does that. And so he said, don't approach it flippantly. But James says there's some that were seeking that position because they were jealous of someone else and wanted the praise and the prestige. Says your selfish desires with that motive uh, are simply for your boasting. And you're lying, and it's at the expense of the truth. Over and over again through the the book of James, we've seen as he he refers to the Scriptures as the word of truth or or as the truth. And so he's specifically saying, listen, the way that you do, he says there's people that are here that he's writing to. And he says there's some in these first century believers who are seeking personal, personal achievement at the expense of others. They're stepping on other people. They're doing it with with this envious heart, with this, this boasting that they do. And he said they're doing it with all the intention, not... Not so that they can promote God, but so they can promote themselves. So they can create a platform for themselves. To do and say whatever they had to do to obtain a position to achieve their selfish ambitions. And in verses 15 and 16, James says exactly where this kind of wisdom comes from and where its fruits are. 
Look at verse number 15. He says this, This wisdom descendeth not from above. It's kind of interesting. Uh, we, we know back over in chapter number 1, verse number 17, he said this, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We know that, that only good gifts come from above. And James says here, he says, listen, this type of action, this type of desire, this motive, he said, listen, it is not from above. No, it descends not from above, but it's earthly. It's sensual, it's devilish. The, the idea here, earthly, it has the idea of it's worldly. Sensual has the day, idea of fleshly, and devilish has the idea of, uh, uh, of like a tongue that has the potential to be used to accomplish purposes of hell. In verse number 6, it, it has the idea of, of wisdom that will accomplish the same goals, accomplish the purposes of hell rather than the purposes of heaven. We could say it this way, it promotes the world... The flesh and the devil. And what were the results of this? He told us, okay, here, here's the action. Here, here, here's the, the inner, inner, inner desire. He said, here's where that desire comes from. And he said, now let me tell you what the fruit is. Verse number, seven, or verse number 16. For where envying and strife is, there's confusion. In every evil work. He says this, this results in confusion or instability. That's, that's the idea here. In every evil work, which has the idea of it's, it's good for nothing. It's worthless. Destruction. Your... your your envy, your, 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 uh, your, your strife, he said, the, 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 these desires that you have to promote yourself, he said, they're not from God. No, no, no. They're earthly. They're sensual. They're devilish. They have nothing to do with the Lord. They're not from above. They're from beneath. And he said, listen, your desire for these things, your desire for self-promotion, that type of wisdom, worldly wisdom, that is selfish, he says, let me tell you what it results in. It results in confusion. Confusion, instability, and it's pointless, it's worthless. That is the fruit of worldly wisdom. You know, Solomon, that we talked about at the very beginning, he, he knew a thing or two about selfish pursuits. If you know anything about the life of Solomon, it was quite an interesting story. For the wisest man that ever lived, he, he made some really dumb choices and dumb decisions, didn't he? In fact, he, he made some, some selfish pursuits and selfish desires and selfish uh, ambition, and, and he, he actually wrote it down in a book. And in the book, the main theme of the book over and over again is this thought, all is vanity. I mean, he just says it over and over again. All, it's, all, it's all pointless. It's all worthless. That, that's what he says over and over again. All is, is vanity. and It's, it's good for nothing. It's, it's a waste. And he, he kind of gave a personal testimony, I guess you could say, of, of where he came from in this. In Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, we won't go all the way through the book, but just some verses, kind of interesting. In Ecclesiastes 1, verse number 7, he said this. He said, I gave my heart to know wisdom. I wanted to know wisdom. And so, uh, to know madness and folly, I perceived that this is all vexation of spirit. Here, here's what he says here. He says, I, I sought to know wisdom, so I studied 
stupidity. That's, that's what he says there. He says, I, I studied, I wanted to know, I wanted to know wisdom, so I studied the opposite. I studied stupidity and, 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 and dumb things. That's, that's what he, and he said, that I found out that it was, it was empty. That's, that's what he says. In chapter number 2, verse number 1, he said, I, I said in my heart, go to now, I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy pleasure. Behold, this also is vanity. He said, I, I tried to find meaning in the pleasures of life and, and in a pleasure myself. He said, but I, I found that that was empty as well. And then he, he turned to something else in, in Ecclesiastes 2.3. He says, I sought in my heart to give myself unto wine. Yet uh, acquainting mine heart with wisdom to lay hold on folly till I see, uh, till I might see what was to, uh, that, that good for the sons of men, which they should do under heaven in all the days of their life. He said, listen, so, so I, I didn't find it in stupidity. And he said, I didn't find f- fulfillment and things like that and, and pleasure. And so he said, I, I decided to try, you know, drugs. And uh, that's, that's kind of what he says here. He said, I gave myself to, to wine, to alcohol. He said, maybe, I thought maybe that was the answer. He said, I didn't, I didn't overdo it. He said, I kept my, my wits about me. He said, I, 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 yet I, I acquainted my heart with wisdom. But he said, I thought maybe that was the answer. But, but again, it's, it was empty. And then he comes to Ecclesiastes chapter number 2 and, and chapter number, or verse number 4. And he says this. He says, listen, I, I made me great works. I builded me houses, I planted me vineyards, I made me gardens and orchards, I planted trees in them of all kinds of fruit, I made pools of water to water wherewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I made swimming pools, he said, and then I made, I made ponds, I don't know, maybe fish, I don't know. I mean, he, he, he had all these different things. I got me servants and maidens. And, and servants born in my house. He said, I went out and I bought me. He said, I, I, I couldn't find pleasure in, in some of the other things I bought. So he said, I bought me some people. And he said, I got me some people and the people had children. And he said, and, 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 and also I, I had great possessions of great and small cattle above all that were in Jerusalem before me. That should speak to some of the ranchers here. He said, listen, I, I got me some cows. I had a pretty good ranch. You know, I, I had, I had a, a bunch of bovine. That's, that's what I had there. And he said, and I gathered me also silver and gold and peculiar treasures of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers and women singers and the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments and all sorts. And he said, I listened to all kinds of music. And so I was great. I was increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my portion of all my labor. He said, I, I saw everything that I had. I had lots of stuff. But then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity, vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under heaven. He said, listen, I built my kingdom. I got all the stuff thinking that that was the answer to fulfillment, but he said, I found that all of it was empty. And and really, he gives the floor of this selfish pursuit in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 2 and 3. This is sad. Listen to what he said. He said, wherefore, I praised the dead, which were already dead more than the living, which are yet alive. He says, listen, he said, I, I literally, this is what he says. He says, I congratulated the dead because they didn't have to pursue all the emptiness of those that were alive. That's, that's what he says there. He said, I said, man, it'd be better to be dead than, than even be alive. But he doesn't stop there. He says, the only thing that would be better than that, verse number two, yea, better is he than both they which hath not yet been 
who hath not seen the evil work that is done under heaven. He says, listen, it would be, the only person that's better than the person that's dead is, is the person that never lived to begin with. That's, that's pretty deep and dark, isn't it? I mean, like, it's pretty low. I mean, like, that's not, that's, that's a pretty sad place to be. What he was saying, he was saying it's, it's a depressing pursuit that worldly wisdom results in. I sought after everything, and, and Solomon could have had anything. We know, I mean, he, he, he went after, I mean, we, the big one, he, he, he went after the women. 300 wives, 700 concubines, I mean, like, Holy smokes, this guy, you know, there wasn't much wisdom there, I'm just going to tell you. I mean, that's a lot of birthday gifts and Christmas gifts, and I mean, like, that's a lot of, a lot of coming home and, oh no, what's wrong? Oh, I'm fine, okay? That's just a lot of that, all right? He, he, yeah, times 300, times 700, yeah, it's not, not a good thing. He, you know what he, he did? He, he said, listen, I tried to find fulfillment because I thought that's where wisdom was and, and all the things but it was just worldly wisdom, and it, it, was, it was empty. It was empty. You see, its roots are bitter envying and strife. Promotion of self. Getting what I want. Selfish ambition that leads to the fruit of confusion, instability, that's good for nothing, it's vanity. He tells us about the works of worldly wisdom. But then he goes on and he gives us the works of godly wisdom. Look at verse number 17. He says, but the wisdom that is from above, it is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality, without hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make Peace. James immediately jumps to the contrast of the worldly wisdom. Wisdom that's from above. He says, godly wisdom. And this is what he says about it. He describes it. He says, here's here's where it comes from. It comes from God. And he says, here's kind of the the heart behind it. He says, first of all, it's pure. It's pure. This this idea of of, of being holy. Not not ceremonial. A show. It's, It's not for the outward. Not for appearance. No, it's from a pure heart. Jesus talked about this this type of person in Matthew chapter 5. When he was talking about the blessed are ye, the beatitudes, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure, that's that's what he talks about first. He says the person that that comes from a pure motive, not, not from selfish ambitions, not to promote myself, no, from a pure heart before God. And he says this, it's peaceable. Peaceable, it promotes peace rather than strife. It's, it's directly the opposite of the worldly uh, wisdom and the fruit of worldly wisdom. In Matthew 5, 9, once again, Jesus spoke about them. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And then he says this, gentle. Gentle. It's an interesting word as I was studying it this week and, and I looked at, you know, obviously I was listening, looking at a lot of commentators and, and the truth is they're all just, you know, we've said it before, they're all just commentators. But, but I, I'm looking at all the, the stuff that they had written down and things like that and looking at, they said this word gentle may be the hardest word because there isn't an English word that adequately describes what this word gentle means means. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you can do a deep dive into this word and probably spend days diving just into this word, trying to wrap your, your mind around it. But, but it kind of has the sense of a tolerant, tolerant, not 
of sin and wickedness, but of, of being offended and not reciprocating over and over and over and over and over and over again. To, to be persecuted and attacked without reciprocation. Well, Jesus talked about them in Matthew 5. Verse number 11, he said, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. He said, Rejoice, be exceeding glad, and great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets that which were before you. I, I think Jesus does the greatest job of summarizing, summing up what that word really means. Persecuted over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, wrongly, but not coming back with selfish bitterness. Instead, rejoicing that you're able to suffer for the name of Christ. Then he says this, easy to be entreated. It has the idea of being willing to submit to God's standards and commands completely. And then full of mercy and good fruit. The, the predisposition of this person is to forgive. In Matthew 5, 7, he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Without impartiality and unwavering commitment, without partiality, not, not, not being partial one to another, listen, un, unwaveringly committed, and then without hypocrisy. This is an interesting one. This, this, this is the same regardless of location or circumstances. It has the idea of not putting on a mask. Not putting on a mask. We, we just had a holiday that, that many people celebrated, and it's amazing, isn't it interesting? I mean, like, it's, it's, Thanksgiving is like going down in the celebration and becoming kind of something you just pass over, and Halloween's like a big deal now. And, and, uh, but anyway, there, there's a lot of kids that run around with, with masks on. There were some adults that were running around with masks on. But anyway, you know, what, it was, uh, what, what, what is it? It's, you're putting on a mask to pretend to be something that... You aren't, right? You know, it's, 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 it's an appearance, you know. Uh, Jackson, I don't know where he got, he's got some pajamas that, uh, that have Spider-Man on it. For some reason, he thinks it's Batman. And so he, I mean, like he, he puts, he always wants to wear his Batman pajamas. They're actually Spider-Man pajamas. And, and uh, you know, he, he always wants to wear it. And so he, he walks around and says, I'm Batman, I'm Batman, I'm Batman. He has no idea who Batman is. But that's, I mean, like he's all excited about it. He wants to be Batman, you know. And, and uh, you know, we, we used to have this, I don't even know where it's at. I think the kids, we, we used to put it on and uh, whenever I was, one of the blessings of being a, a parent is you go through a stage where the kids are just young enough but just old enough where you can absolutely terrify them with whenever you put a mask on. And, and so we had this Batman mask. And I mean, it was just one that just covered your eyes and had like the little little ears. And, and I don't even know where it was given to us. And, and I used to put that thing on and Jace was absolutely terrified. It was so much fun. But anyway, uh, that was those were good days. But. Uh, you know, we, we had that message, and uh, you know, what, what, what would you, you put it on there, and sometimes I'd change my voice, you know, and I'd be bat, Batman, you know, and, uh, and, and what are you doing? You're changing your appearance, you're becoming something that you are. He says here, listen, it's without hypocrisy. The same person everywhere, whether you're in the synagogue, the church house, or, or you're, you're at the grocery store, whether you're at work or, or you're at home. Can we, can we put these, these things in simple terms? It says this, a person with wisdom of God is the direct opposite of the person with the wisdom of the world. Verse 18 tells us that while the sowing of the worldly wisdom results in confusion, 
and is good for nothing. The sowing of godly wisdom results in the fruit of peace. Look there, he says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You know, Solomon wrote a, another book in the Bible, not as dark as the book of Ecclesiastes, all right? He, he wrote a large portion of the book, and, and it's nearly the, the, the exact opposite of, of Ecclesiastes. There's a lot of principles and things that are taught in it, but most of them are, are very positive and encouraging. And that book's the book of Proverbs. It's, it's full of, it's, it's known as, a, as wisdom literature. That's, that's literally what it's, what it's known as. And, and, and it, it is full of encouragement to seek godly wisdom. And, and we don't have time to, to go through and exhaust all the places that he talks about wisdom in, in the book of, of Proverbs. But just, just a couple of quick verses at the very beginning that we'll mention in Proverbs one seven, He says this very simply, the fear of the Lord. That's, that's where the beginning of knowledge is. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. He says, listen, you want to know where where you get wisdom? Godly wisdom? He says it comes from from having a fear of God. Having the right view of God. God, you are holy and you are righteous. And and God, you are just. And God, you are loving. And and God, you are my God. And and having a right view of God. And when we have a right view of God, he says, listen, that's the beginning of knowledge. It's the beginning of attaining this wisdom. But he says, but fools reject that. They don't want anything to do with it. They want the worldly wisdom. Proverbs chapter number 2, verses 1 through 6, he says, my son, he gives this challenge to his son. He says, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that if thine incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding... If you cry after knowledge and lift up thy voice for understanding, if thou seek, seekest her as silver and searchest for her as hid treasure, he said, you, you desire greatly to get it. He says, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. Hey, listen, how do you seek after God? Right here. He wrote us a love letter that we get to read. I was sharing with someone not too long ago, but listen, th- this book, you, you can accept Christ as your Savior based upon just a few verses out of this book. Listen, we go to, to Romans chapter number 3, and I can show you the verses that say, listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. And then we would go over, after we see that we're sinners, we, get, we could go over and, and we could see that, that Jesus, He commendeth His love toward us, that He loved us so much, He demonstrated it toward us that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. See, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can accept Jesus Christ based upon the gift that He offers. What is that gift? Jesus dying on the cross to pay for your sins and for mine. What a wonderful promise. We're coming up on Christmas. I love to receive gifts, but listen, there's no gift you could ever receive that's greater than the gift of salvation. He says, you want to receive this gift? The gift of eternal life. The gift that's through my son. He said, you want to know how to receive it? He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. The mouth, confession is made in salvation. Listen, we, with the heart man believeth. Mouth, confession is made in salvation. We, we, we come to the Lord and we say, God, I know that you died for me. I know that I'm a sinner and I know what I deserve. Eternity in a lake of fire. Again, I'm trusting in your payment, your gift. 
for eternal life. God, we forgive me for my sins. That's powerful. That's amazing. That's a wonderful promise. But can I tell you, you can get saved with just a few verses from the Bible. So what's the rest of it about? Can I tell you what it is? It's the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Let me ask you, how much time did you spend this week getting the wisdom of God? See, we say that we want it, but I know this, the bulk of our life is spent pursuing worldly wisdom. Where, where does worldly wisdom come from? Oh, you, all, any number of places. I mean, it comes, it comes through the TV. It comes through, through the radio. It comes through podcasts that we, we listen to. It comes from people that we work with. It comes from, from all sorts of places. I mean, you can pretty much go anywhere and find worldly wisdom. But listen, there's one place that you can get godly wisdom. It's right here. But how much of our time do we spend here? How much of our time do we spend in worldly wisdom? And we say that we want the wisdom of God. You know, he makes it real simple in Proverbs chapter number 3. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into your own understanding. Here, here it is. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. That's the idea of know God in every way. And He shall direct thy paths. But He doesn't stop there. Be not wise in your own eyes. No, no, no. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You want wisdom? Stop trusting in yourself. Stop thinking that, that, that you have wisdom through your own eyes, through the, the eyes of the world. He said that's not where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes from leaning on God, trusting in Him. Wisdom comes from, from taking the, the blinders off of your eyes and, and looking for God. Listen, wisdom comes from this book, from, from learning from the law of God. See, clearly somewhere along the way, Solomon recognize the necessity not to live by the wisdom of this world that leaves you empty, but to live and seek after godly wisdom. He says, this person who is pure and peaceable and gentle and easily entreated and full of mercy without impartiality and hypocrisy, he said that person is going to be enjoying the fruit of peace. That person that seeks Godly wisdom. Whitehall Baptist Church, those that are here this, this morning, those that are watching online, this morning it's, it's a simple question we started at the beginning. Who, who is wise and endued with knowledge among us? Who has wisdom? Ask yourself, God, do I have wisdom? Wisdom and understanding. Not a question that's seeking an audible answer here this morning, Okay? Because we would all say that we want it and we would all say that we have it. But often the true answer to that question is found not in what we say, but in the fruits that are evident in our life. In your home, would peace describe the atmosphere? Or is confusion, instability, and pursuit of things that don't matter a better descriptor? Because one is wisdom from God, the other was wisdom from the world. 
You know, I hope and pray that Whitehall Baptist Church is a place of peace, but, but all it takes is one person in the pursuit of worldly wisdom that can be used to do much damage for the cause of Christ. You see, the danger in all of this is, is this, the bitter envying and strife that's not outward. Yes, it manifests, its, manifests itself in outward things, but, but bitter envying and strife... James says is is from the heart. It's in the heart. Which means nobody may be able to see it initially. You may look good here at church. You may fool your family at Thanksgiving. All the while bitter envy and strife can be in your heart. Self-promotion, selfishness, desire to promote me, worldly wisdom. Clearly, according to James, hypocrisy is an antonym of godly wisdom and is found in the life and person that's living under worldly wisdom. I wonder today if there's some here that are just tired of wearing multiple masks you ever been there before? You wear one mask whenever you're at church, and another mask when you're at home, and another mask when you're at work, and another mask whenever you're with your friends and, and, and people that you're around. And you're, just, you're just constantly putting on different masks in your life, and, and everyone, you know what happens? Every once in a while you slip up and you put the wrong mask on, and the truth starts to come out. Man, that's exhausting. That's tiring. Trying to, to be all these different things for your selfish pursuit. Because if I ask this, act this way at this place, then, then that'll help me. And if I act this way at this place, then that'll promote me. And if I act this way in front of, uh, of my boss at work, then, then this will promote me. No, 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 friend. Take off the mask and stop seeking worldly wisdom, selfish pursuits. And find your way to seeking God and His wisdom. See, the answer for us today is found all the way back in the book of Job, chapter 28, verse 28. Job said this, And unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. We're going to see it in just a couple of weeks. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. Fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Depart from evil, that is understanding. At the conclusion of Solomon's book, the end of of his story that's full of vanity, of his worldly pursuits, his empty results, He ends with a concise instruction to all who who find the pursuit of godly wisdom and worldly wisdom more complicated than it should be. He he, he makes it real concise, real simple for us. In Ecclesiastes chapter number 12, verses 13 and 14, he says this, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment, 
every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Friend, what, what wisdom do you have today? Answer that question in your own heart. God, what, what wisdom do I have? Do I have the wisdom of God or the wisdom of the world? Am I seeking after the wisdom of God or am I seeking after the wisdom of the world? Hey, listen, the answer is in the fruit of your life. Is it chaos and instability and, 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 and worthless pursuits? Or is it the peace of God that passes all understanding? One or the other describes your life. And oftentimes, we find ourselves over here without even realizing it. Pursuing worldly wisdom. All the while, God and His Word is over here saying, just come over here. I've got the answer to your problems. Fear God and keep His commandments. That's the whole duty of man. You want understanding? That's where it's at. You want wisdom? That's where it's at. And James says, who among you has wisdom and understanding? Wisdom and understanding from God. I hope each and every one of us say, God, help me to seek you and your wisdom. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed as we finish our service this morning. We want to give an opportunity to respond to God's word. The message was being preached. Maybe God spoke to your heart and, and pricked a certain area of your, your life. And, and maybe you said, you know, there's, in my life I, I've been seeking fulfillment. Let's just be honest in the things of this world. And it's evident in the fruit that comes from my life. It's evident in, in the results that are coming out of my life. This morning, God spoke to my heart. Hey, listen, if that's you this morning, I'd encourage you, respond to the Lord. Respond to the Lord. Listen, this isn't for me. This is for you and the Lord. You'd say, man, I've been pursuing worldly wisdom, and today God spoke to my heart. I want godly wisdom. God spoke to me today. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never accepted Christ as your Savior. I have no doubt in a room this size that there are some here that have not ever accepted Christ as their Savior. Friend, I'm telling you, the world is empty. Take the testimony of of Solomon. There's only one place that you're going to find true fulfillment and peace. And that's in Christ. And this morning, if you never accepted Christ as your Savior, you can do it right where you're at. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I want to trust in you. Will you forgive me for my sins? Oh, friend, you can pray and you can accept him. I encourage you, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, get that settled this morning. There's no greater promise based upon the Scriptures than knowing that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. With heads bowed and with eyes closed as the music plays, let's stand together. And as God's spoken to your heart, you can have a few moments to, to respond to Him, maybe in your seat, or you can come to an altar. You're welcome to do that as well. But I'd encourage you to respond to the Lord. Maybe you just need to pray, God, give me godly wisdom. Help me, Lord, not to continue to pursue worldly wisdom. Help me, God, to seek wisdom that's for me. God, I want peace in my life. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. Life is just chaos. It's unstable. It's confusing. It seems pointless sometimes. But God, I want your peace. It's found in the pursuit of 
Jesus.